0: Follow the peacocks, as they sing like.
1: ink studs, and my guest this week is Joe Kessler. Uh, Joe's new book is Windowpane, a collection of the comics that he's had coming out for the last, I'm going to say six years from uh, Breakdown Press. Is that a good yeah. six, seven years? Kind
2: of. <laughs> I, remember uh, I don't know. Um, six years, yeah. Six years, yeah. But this one, um, the collection, collect is a um, only stuff since, I think, end of 2015 or 2016. Oh, okay. Um, window Panes issues three and four, and then two new stories. Oh, okay, so it doesn't have the first. Yeah. No, the first two are different. Um, they, have, uh, they have different stories in them. Oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't do enough prep because I just like, oh, I'll just read the book. I don't need
2: to read oh, all this yeah. stuff.
1: <laughs>
2: well, that's good. I, I'm happy not to talk about those early ones <laughs> in so much detail.
1: Well, then we'll have to, because um, I think like the first one, uh, the first way I came across your work was at one of the Brooklyn, it might even been a cab, or no, no, it was a Brooklyn at that point, it wasn't cab yet. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Simon handed me off to one, I was, so was like, I don't remember, it was just like at some party or something, he's like, hey, here's a new thing we're doing. Um,
2: Simon hacking. Who runs Breakdown with me and Tom Oldham as well? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think Simon was there uh, prepping or repping for No Brow at that point.
2: Uh huh.
1: Um, You're right. So, so that's how far back we're going. <laughs> um, and I thought it was really neat and cool. Um, obviously, been a long time since I'd read it uh, in, in the prep for this, if I realized that it was. Not in the book. <laughs> dug it up and read that but you know I forget things. And uh,
2: but yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah. good um, to begin the big apology. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> so some of the background with with window pane is you're kind of the part of the early days of breakdown, or like kind of started breakdown, still a core part of breakdown. Um, and that kind of came out from uh, connections to no brow. Um, you working in the yeah. store um, and kind of deflected from there into like you guys doing your thing. Uh, and I'm curious a little bit about that kind of history. Uh, Cause it's there. It's, it's part of the story um, and kind of part of your start getting involved professionally in, in publishing and stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: mean, I'll try and keep this fairly brief, brief. Um, uh, when I was an undergrad, I was like very into, I had a certain vision for of what I wanted comics to be. And it was quite ambitious and quite high-minded maybe in, you know, kind of way, uh, probably quite close to the, the vision I still <laughs> uh, maybe have. I don't know. Uh, but it, uh, when I was working at No Brow, I kind of found that um, I was, they asked me to do some a comic for an anthology, um, which I, was, I did and I was quite happy with, and um, they were not happy with it. And uh, I spoke to Simon and Tom, who were working at this comic shop in London, and who wanted to... Um, make a uh, make a book about, make a magazine of criticism of comics, and we kind of decided to publish um, this work that I was doing as one one person anthology. Uh, and we called it Window Pane and got a good deal with our friend who was printing it and printed up a couple of hundred copies of that on the RISOgraph. It was kind of in the, uh, maybe in the early days of, of RISOgraph mm-hmm. printing for comics. I've been doing RISO stuff since I think 2009 or something like that. I and think that this was like 2012 or so right at the end of 2012 actually I'm sure it was and I had an exhibition um so it all kind of came together for that and we did this one book it was like I can't remember how many like 30 36 pages or something like that um four color riso pretty much I think um and because we were working for no we went around to um Uh, different comic book fairs and like sneakily sold it under the table and like really spoke about our own thing (laughs) maybe you know as well as selling all that stuff as well uh yeah and that kind of sold pretty fast and um then in the next year i think the only other book we did was one with uh richard short who was doing klaus um and it was just a, an edition of like 100, book, uh, 100 copies or something, and um, and so slowly been building from there and doing more and more books as, as breakdown, um, and getting more and more like snowed under by like the commitment of like putting books together and preparing them and you know not doing any promotion for them or anything like that, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, I will say that I think this there's is... plenty of
2: more. There's,
1: this is probably the first uh, breakdown-related interview I've done where a publicist was involved
2: uh, in making it. Happen. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, <laughs> it's probably the first ever time a publicist has been involved. I think almost. Um, but you
1: know, going into comics, working at NoBrow, uh, but you said you're just getting out of uh-huh. college. Uh, was comics kind of your interest in school, or? Yeah. Like, what did you have in mind of what you wanted to do with your work at that point? Like, what were you looking at, kind of contemporarily speaking?
2: Um, Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. When I was that age, so that's like 21, 22, I guess. I was very into um, a lot of older stuff. I mean, as I still am. But um, uh, I just discovered uh, Nurikuru, The to go see her comic which is still a big influence um and i was very into crazy cat and a lot of older stuff um really into uh i was also really into um uh chris ware and mark newgarden and all that stuff as i had been for quite a long time you know all through my teenage years i was into that stuff um yeah and i was going kind of, at that I think I was pretty much reading anything that was like vaguely um, in that world of comics uh, in a way which I'm probably not now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was also into, you know, I was making other kinds of art, I guess, and reading a lot. Um, It's it's quite difficult to remember. It was like, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago, you know, Who knows? I, I think I remember getting very into when I was in uh, second year or something, um, finding Frank Santoro's work as I'm sure, and like Jerry Moriarty's work and all this other stuff. Um, and it's when Comics Comics blog was a thing, and everyone um, who's of my age, who I'm friends with, was I think doing similar stuff at the same time. Or like, you know, imbibing similar stuff at the same time. They're all quite significant. All the picture box books and everything like that. Um, they were all massive to me.
1: I want to talk a bit about Frankie, Frankie Santoro.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I, f- yeah.
1: I, I feel like he's kind of imprinted on your work. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, oh, yeah. and just kind of what that meant for something. Because, I mean, the stuff Frank was making at the time uh, I mean, he's kind of, like, in a way, disappeared as the leader of his weird church or school he has going on. Um, but his comics were really foundational for a lot of folks in doing stuff that was really different. And,
2: yes, uh, these other yeah, he worked
1: amazing. And so I'm wondering about, yeah, like, when you first saw Frank stuff and how you kind of wanted to fold that into what you wanted to make.
2: Uh, I first got Storyville when... Um maybe about not that long after it came out. Um, I'm from Bristol in the Southwest of England and in a branch of forbidden planet, which was at the time, maybe one of the only shops you could get comics in Bristol. They had like a tatty copy of Storyville. Um, and they they sold it for 50 P. Uh, I think they probably ordered one in. Yeah. They ordered probably one in and it's not the shop for that. And, uh, I guess no one bought it and I I got it um on the basis of the images of the uh circ scenes in the back and then took it home and read it and just was like completely floored by it of course and um you know read it about 100 times uh and that was you know there was like the speed of the drawing and the the sort of rhythm of the whole thing was uh very eye opening to me Um, I don't know. I really liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And now, just the other day, me and um, uh, Connor Williamson just drove from New York to Pittsburgh and stayed with Frank for a couple of days, and that was really nice.
0: Nice. It was,
2: yeah, it was funny. Um, You know, and and Frank's... A a few years ago, I used to get very excited when I'd go into comic book shops, you know, sort of tingle with the nervous energy or whatever think what what kind of thing i might discover there and then you know recently uh or maybe i only just noticed it recently i sort of like walk in there with trepidation and sort of my bum tightens and i get anxious about what sort of shame i'm going to experience when i walk in and see what's doing well or what i might find you know um but really like going somewhere like frank's house and uh seeing all his you know, it's like whole house is his studio and it's everywhere and his art's everywhere. And it's amazing drawings all over the place. Um, yeah, that was great. And sort of reignite that old excitement that you used to get just from like walking into a halfway decent comic shop. (laughs) There's,
1: there's something about Frank's work, um, where with Fort Thunder, you kind of had this like iconoclastic approach to comics and storytelling. Um, and people mm-hmm. like to say how it's kind of fused with the fine art world because of the Whitney Biennale, and yeah. and I feel like what Frank did was kind of bring in a clarity with his work.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Mm, I like, don't know. from that kind of fine <laughs>
1: artist, like, maybe I'm just getting too deep about Frank right now. Um
2: yeah, I'm not sure. There's, there's a, it seems like there's like a ton of different approaches within um, the Fort Thunder guys and all that, you know, and people and you know, all, yeah. all that. milieu have all, There's a lot of different approaches. The thing. So when I, I grew up with, um, you know, my folks had copies of Raw magazine and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I kind of assumed that that stuff was going on, and that that, that, that world existed, and I just didn't have access to it properly. Uh, um, and then when you find out that it wasn't really going on and then when it did ignite it's just like big deal you know uh, so I think I came I was a bit blase about all that stuff at first <laughs> <laughs> especially being from England you know you're just like oh of course that's happening yeah sure it's you know We're all and I Simmons it. here, and yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know some some people do I guess <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for me, one of the things I was thinking about is just how, um, you know, talking about picture box and how Frank stuff was like popping up into comic stores and things like that. Mm. Uh, I don't know how the Storyville newspaper got in, into a store in Bristol. That's kind of fantastic. Um, but like, no,
2: was he... with the book, the picture books. Oh, the picture, picture books. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: yeah.
1: But still, like have like there, there's something kind of like where uh, Frank was really uh, in advance a lot of the the stuff we're seeing now, I guess, um,
2: in a neat way. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, in some ways, as are many other people, I think. But he maybe is especially like obviously in his approach to the color separations that was in those other books. Uh, those in, in cold heat and then stuff is like very, uh, a lot of rice, stuff is reminiscent of that. And it's a work, you know, it's a way of making images, which is, uh, more suited to riceograph graph printing and all that stuff, which has been coming out for the last few years, uh, which is great, you know, and it's, it's, it's a forerunner for a lot of that stuff immediately before it kind of took off, I guess. So I don't with, know. with window yeah. pane, um,
1: the way you approach the coloring, are you looking at it as it being done in restograph So you're kind of putting together these images based on these three or four colors, uh, and kind of I'm really interested in that with with your specific work about mm. how you kind of layer these different things and kind of create these different kind of color uh, imbalances and kind of play with that.
2: Yeah. Uh, well. The uh, the Riso was a very defining thing to the way I make images. I guess um, I was doing screen printing and stuff before that, and um, you know the idea of making several hundred copies or something was very you know so quickly was very appealing, uh, and I naturally uh, like drawing and separations and pulling the drawings apart and doing these quick guide drawings. <clears throat> or changing the pace of drawings and then layering them up and putting them on a light box and pulling them apart again um, and I guess it, it, it seems it's kind of good to work in these black and white separations, which is how I do it, and then they become colour in print when I put ink through the black drawing. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah, <laughs> but it does I, to me. I kind of think of them right I kind of think of them all as just like areas of tone unless i want this like bush to be green or the sky the sky's got to be red because you know it's an emotional scene i'm just trying to like balance tone tonal stuff i guess and um do uh, and you know think about composition a lot i think like with the stories and that i make and with the approach to coloring and stuff there's um uh I'm not very afraid of like ambling into confusion and uncertainty, you know <laughs> and seeing how it comes out and then like redoing it a lot of times until it comes out in a way which I uh, the word I always use which feels really stupid to me, but I haven't got a better way of talking about it particularly is um until it feels like resonant somehow to me you know uh, and that's maybe not that useful a thing to say, but um. That's the the way I think about it, I suppose. It's like this story and this composition and this like set of images seems to work and do something. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I just wonder... And that's with one of the things I wonder about is when you're doing these kind of different total layers, um, Yeah. do they have... Like, do you kind of see... Like you'll have a composition where uh, the different layers are different images completely and you're finding out what the image is that comes out at the end, but also knowing that within that image, those different layers are doing different things. Does that make sense?
2: Um, Yes, perfectly, actually. Uh, Or, you know, I I make some sense out of it. (laughs) Whether it's a sense you intend or not, who knows? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, at its most basic level, it's like often about just creating like a hierarchy of information or something like that where you have, um, you know, whatever you need to see can be highlighted using the color and then whatever might be anecdotal or, like, tonal or something can drop in the background that you can navigate stuff easily. I mean, that's my intention, you know. Uh, and and that can mean, like, multiple images in one, in over separate layers, or mean, within one color or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say it's all a bit mysterious to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, maybe maybe that's good to say with what, with what I was going to ask is, uh-huh. um, in the balance of what you're doing with the book and with your comics, um, is there a hierarchy between finished story and the images themselves within the, the story? Or the images as a function within itself
2: as part of the story. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe. Uh, let me think about it. So could, a hierarchy between the story, the story, like, the image in service of the story. Yeah, <clears throat> or the
1: story in service of the image.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that goes both ways, really. Sometimes you think of, like, one image that you want to get to, and you, like, do a lot of, like, you know, I do a lot of footwork to to get there. Um, but more often than not, uh, I think the story leads the way, and I do, and I, I end up, like, indulging myself quite a lot <laughs> and, like, slowing down and speeding up when there's something that I think feels significant to me somehow. You know, like, there's a bit in one of the books where someone throws, like, a bit of fabric across the room to someone else, um, and it's like a... Perhaps a significant moment in the story. I think it is, and I but I gave it like a, a full spread of just a fabric, bit of fabric going across the room, which is like entirely indulgent and um, uh, was very much the story at the service of the image. Maybe, uh, but I liked it, so I don't know. <laughs> I could do whatever I want, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the
1: things uh, with the collection that I think is neat that you do is um, on the on the cover is the kind of mm-hmm. early drafts of the image where you do your perspective points.
2: Yeah, right, yeah.
1: And going through the book, I wouldn't necessarily think that was a priority um, because things are just so loose and fluid. Uh, and so I'm wondering about, yeah. th- about the perspective points and like trying to hit these markers.
2: Um, yeah, sometimes. Quite <laughs> often in the book, there's like very precise underdrawings um, that I take quite a long time on. Uh, but I really don't want that to be very apparent much of the time. Um, but I always have to like fanny about a lot to get the to get the composition right. So there's always like a million drawings of everything. Um, but then I want it to be fast and like you know alive somehow. Uh, so I often these pages have these quite rigid maybe like schematic compositions and make them and then put them on like, a light box and draw them a bunch of times fast with a, big, a pen that's like bigger than it should be. Oh, okay. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, it's slightly, I think that's a lot about, and some some of the drawings are all quick from the beginning and like first takes and of stuff. Um, it's a lot about movement, I suppose, in, in my head anyway. Um, and sometimes I need stuff to be more measured and sometimes I need to go... To
1: cut loose i don't know yeah movement is definitely one of the things i was thinking about with your work i mean it's like mm. the characters moving and even now you're just talking about kind of like almost like a gestural action when drawing um when
0: you're using mm. these big
1: pens um
0: <laughs> yeah
1: like a physicality to it right like i don't necessarily see you as much hunched over um Doing the finite little mini details, but it's just
2: like, uh, but it sounds yeah, like, it's a, like a personality thing, I think it'll... as well. Like it, it, it feels that way to me. I often feel like I'm hunched over <clears throat> doing stuff like that. But then I see the way a lot of other people work, and um, I'm not really hunched. I'm, <laughs> I'm like flailing around wildly most of the time in comparison to how a lot of other people make their comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's all okay. I do a lot of I do some like larger scale stuff as well, like mono, some mono prints, which are basically like paintings and that sort of thing, where I, I really cut loose. But um, it's a slightly different thing, I guess. Uh, now yeah.
0: Now the,
1: the title window oh. pane. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that an LSD reference?
2: No. <laughs> I mean, not at all. No. I, I was I was aware of the reference, but I didn't really think about it. <laughs> I mean, it's not like um, it's not like opposed to the LSD reference, whatever you want it to be, I suppose. But uh, not in my head, no. Uh, it's it's not much to it. I wouldn't look too deeply into the meaning of the title. <laughs> look too deeply into the window. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm here all week. I think just to go back to movement a bit. I think uh, yeah, like they <laughs> change the so topic. there's a uh, the, the movement, there's like the character thing as like really into just drawing the, the world's changing quite a lot and like reacting to the characters and all that sort of thing, I suppose, um, whatever that means, but like a, uh, some sort of, um, empathy between like the whole world and what the characters were doing and feeling. And, you know, the characters are kind of blank in their way. Um, so it's, there's like maybe, um, quite often att- an attempt however successful or not to like bring them bring them out into like the world around them or whatever that sounds terrible actually i wish i did not but anyway there you go Do you, <laughs> it,
1: is it that the the kind of you think a lot about the settings you put the characters in um and you have a lot of like i don't want to say conceptualness but like a big idea of of the place of where they are
2: yeah, they're kind of in um, mostly in this book. They're they're in like an imagined Cornwall of my childhood, which doesn't really <laughs> doesn't certainly doesn't exist at all. You know, uh, may, at times, and then they like shift to other places totally. Um, in my head, all those stories in the Windowpane collection are all happening in. Um, kind of in like one place one uh one world but um i don't know if that's really like a useful thing to think about when reading it or um or if it like adds anything particularly to it but that's just the way i was thinking about it when i was making it and i don't think like everything in those books are wildly inconsistent in um (laughs) Uh, in every aspect of them and the the rules of the world change and the characters change and all, you know. But that's how I was thinking about it, yeah.
1: Now, growing up in Cornwall, that's where Ralph Steadman Well, I grew up in ended.
2: Bristol. Oh, um, okay. I grew up in Bristol, but we used to go on holiday to Cornwall. We still oh, do, really, okay. when I was a kid, you know. Uh, it was maybe like a West Country, a general West Country thing, but <laughs> place, imaginary West Country. <clears throat> but, yeah. Cornwall. <laughs> so,
1: so in that way, then, as, as somewhere you'd go on holiday, it, it uh-huh. kind of probably evokes like a certain kind of wistfulness or kind of an idyllicness where you don't necessarily you have a certain experience. Yeah, ground it,
2: into it's it. evocative of of various things, not necessarily uniformly idyllic or uniformly wistful, but um, certainly elements of that of both of those things. Um, but yeah, it's it's evocative and you know, like it it's loose. I don't I don't really like acknowledge that to myself particularly. <laughs> um, but it I I think that's probably the case. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I uh, don't you know.
1: Is Lando from Bristol too?
2: He lived in Bristol for quite a long time. Yeah, but not ever, not ever when I lived there. But I have me and Lando and um, Leon Sadler and Breen Moreno and Josie and Connor Stechelt and Mora, his partner, who is maybe the only non-cartoonist there. Am I forgetting anyone? We all went to Cornwall um, this summer <laughs> and stayed in a cabin. And it was quite amusing. So I have been to the West Country with Lando. Okay. Well, that's
1: good. <laughs> I was worried. Yeah. I'm happy to hear about that. Um... Yeah. One things I would say is I think Ralph Steadman
2: lives in Cornwall. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. I thought he lived outside London. Maybe he's got a he's probably got a couple of pads. Yeah. He's never invited me round yet, so I don't
1: know. Yeah, I was just wondering if that was like if that was somewhere where you were holidaying, if like you would have been exposed to any of that kind of stuff.
2: Um. I mean, I know his—I I obviously know his work well, but um, not particularly associated with that place at all, mm-hmm. you know.
1: We, in Canada no. we have things like that where like Tommy Younger is like if you spent time in
2: um was it, the, like far away isn't far out isn't far enough
1: right is it Well he, he like uh a lot of people live in like Nova Scotia and stuff really identify with his work cuz like he was there Right of course and so it's just like it's kind of embelic of like you know something you're familiar with and stuff so that's kind of where I was thinking but it's not the case yeah,
2: with you. so um, it doesn't matter. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not sure who that would be. I'm sure I, if I thought of that for a while, I could think of someone. But for Bristol? I don't know. All I can think yeah, of Yeah, I'm sure I could. I don't know.
1: Just some trip-hop from the 90s or something.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's still happening, though. still alive.
1: Oh, I can believe it. Um, yeah. Now... Within breakdown, um, what's your role been there?
2: Um, uh, God, what's anyone's role in breakdown? So, I, my Not official Mark title today. is art director. Yeah, well, no, everyone—you know—everyone you know, everyone has other stuff that they have to do all day. <laughs> um, of course, uh, but my official title is art director and um that's sometimes the case and we all kind of just do a bit of everything i think simon does all the accounting and all the most tedious stuff um all the sh- all the postage all the accounting he's the hero of that stuff and me and tom uh sort of most mostly sit about you know saying what about working with this person <laughs> and then like vaguely trying to make it happen you know <laughs> Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes on. <laughs> well, like, but there's no clear role, and I'm doing a bit of everything.
1: There's definitely, like, a uniform feel to the No Braw books, like, where, you know, this this collection would go really well on my bookshelf next to the, you know, the manga reprints that you guys have done.
2: Um, right. And so the No books or the Breakdown books, the breakdown. which one... Did you mean... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna get a
1: bad email about that one. Um, <laughs> the breakdown I mean, then, stuff, the, yeah. the the breakdown stuff, the the uniform u- uniformity to design um, that you've kind of got going on hmm. there, as as art director, um, and kind of some of the interest in that, because um, it is a really specific style that you've been doing there.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, that's a nice thing I think like with uh, all these things some personality I don't think it's just me either it's all of us but um, when you do something enough times some personality does come out hopefully you know so they might look a bit uniform I still I, I don't think I particularly agree I think we're all over the place with the production and the way a lot of the books look but then there are certain ones that you can group together I'm thinking maybe. especially the manga yeah. reprints yeah
1: like yeah. this, this definitely goes on the same shelves as those, um
2: yes, like I'm not well, I had say... a bigger hand in designing those um, generally than some of the other books, so okay. that makes sense, yeah, yeah,
1: like I wouldn't say this is anything like say the Connor Williamson books,
2: or no, I mean, he just did those completely himself,
1: yeah, and so i I, guess... I
2: picked the paper for those, I think. Um, uh, maybe we told him we got him to redraw the cover on the first one. Um but like no, Connor isn't Connor, Connor doesn't need much <laughs> from anyone, I don't think. And it's it's a it's an important thing not to try and like uh try and second guess him or you wouldn't wanna you wouldn't want to guess what Connor's gonna do or what he's gonna uh you ever put him in a box in any way. <laughs> and and I'm presuming
1: Anna is pretty particular about the
2: look and design of her books yeah she's relaxed actually about um i mean i don't know we've only done um the one and we're just about to do the artist two um and it could all go horribly wrong but with the last one we just had a bit of back and forth um I think I don't know. I can't remember how involved I was in that conversation about the look of the cover and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, she was just happy with it. And then we got a deal from the printer that we were going to be able to do like a, a clock book with a, um, like a ribbon to mark your place and everything. And I got really excited about that and said to Anna, let's do that. And she said, okay, cool, whatever. And then Tom and Simon said, absolutely not. So she was relaxed with that. Um, but Tom and Simon didn't want the cloth-bound thing. They wanted their normal hardback. And they had the clear view of how it had to look. And they had the um, the specific idea of what it had to be. That book. Um, I'm sure Anna has way more ideas. But in that instance of, our, uh, of putting that book together, she was very relaxed. So I don't know.
1: So tell me about your your particular design interests and aesthetics thing because I mean you have stuff that's kind of on the artist and stuff but you have the look of your book uh, with the kind of ob wrap uh, cover uh, and then you're also mm. involved in the in the great manga reprints you guys uh, have been doing um, so yeah let's talk a little yeah.
2: bit about yeah uh, well the look of my book the the um the short dust jacket, obi wrap thing is um, kind of uh, Jean-Philippe Breton's idea. Uh, he he collaborated with me on the design of it. Uh, he's a really good designer, French guy. He designs all the Lagon books, uh, Goufra and um, Volcan and those books. There's a new one coming out any minute now. Um, and I, I'm not really a designer at all. <laughs> I'm just doing it because like, no one else can particularly do it and sometimes we draft in other better people to do it when we can so the manga reprints I've always like had to go kind of done the covers go, put the images together and um, done like rough drafts of the type stuff and then we work with this guy Joe Hales who's, who's a designer and we worked with my friend Alex Johns and they all go like you know they see my typography and go like what the fuck are you doing you know uh, and change it all and make it all you know seem seem to me to like do the exact same things I've done but somehow it looks much nicer Um, but yeah I pick a lot of the colours and we talk about like the binding and everything like that And there's endless fights and there's endless compromises and um, you know we we kind of with the breakdown lot we all hang out quite a lot and we all bicker all the time and um, kind of enjoy arguing about that stuff a little bit some of us enjoy it more than others maybe I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's not quite nice it's quite nice for me in that sense that that is like this collaborative thing and none of us um you know we're all learning as we do it and you know I think the books get better and better except when they get worse
1: (laughs) are they going to get worse?
2: um I hope not I think the the production and design of them will be better and better and the stuff we've got coming up I think should be good um Who knows? We'll see. Why don't
1: we talk a bit about what you have coming out? um... Oh,
2: because I'm not completely clear on what it all is and I'll forget something really important. Um, We've got Anna's book coming up soon. Um, And then we have a bunch of other stuff which is like reliant. Some of the stuff which is hanging over my head, which is like reliant on me doing work on it to get it together, um, is uh, like a a collection of Lala Albert's work. Oh wow! Um, which would be great. Um, a lot of the stuff that she—it would be stuff that she's previously published—all in one place. Um, when that eventually comes together, when I have the time to work on it. Yeah, because you, uh, you did that one color, that blue book, right? We did, yeah. Janus, um, yeah. and like we all love her work, of course, because it's it's great. Um, yeah, and there's a ton of other stuff we have got. Rich, Richard Short is doing another thing. Um, Antoine's book. Palace number one will be coming out sometime soon. I'm going to go talk to him about it in the next couple of days. And I think the work's all pretty much done for that. Um, yeah, loads of stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 it's all exciting. It's all... Uh, I love all the work. It's, you know... Uh, and then... Off, 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 I, I, I really like doing it. Um, and then... I'm not I've been um doing doing uh, putting the French translation into all the panels for my whole book for the last two days um on InDesign. So the thought of like more InDesign days <laughs> <laughs> at the moment isn't is like slightly terrifying. But uh yes, I shouldn't feel sorry for myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it sounds like there's a lot to come from breakdown. Uh, there's
2: no real slowing down. Pretty oh, expensive. there's always like slowing down and speeding up. We're very, yeah, you know, we're and all you, over the place. But, yeah, there's tons of stuff. There's tons of great stuff that we can do and that we that we have lined up that we hope to get together. You know.
0: Now I asked yeah.
1: some friends for some um, question suggestions. Uh, <laughs> some. <mutuals. laughs> And so, uh, one of the first uh, that was suggested by a couple of folks is, I understand at short run, you uh, you had a nice little slipcase you made for folks of the window pane. Yeah, which
2: right.
0: Look,
1: look quite lovely. I'm presuming they're all mm-hmm. they're all sold out.
2: No, well, I think I have a few left, but Nice. Although I have I can make i um, you know I can make them to order. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, but the other thing you had there was some zines you did of your modeling <laughs> career. Yeah, and yeah. not just any modeling career—modeling uh, for Burberry in Japan.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I suppose genuinely. Um, but uh, yes, so embarrassing. But it's a—it should be stated up front that um, the booklet is a. It's a humorous publication called "Thanks, It's Me," and it's like a selection of my my photos from my teenage modeling career. Yeah, when I was lovely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How does one become a teenage model,
2: as as a man? Um. Well, I can tell you if you'd like to know, but uh, it. Who knows if it's of interest?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I, I don't think it'll happen to me. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe pick something up some will point change. Who knows? Uh, I really I've been practicing in the mirror to give the that blue steel face but still can't quite capture it. Uh maybe
2: right. it's cuz of my bad eye. Um you know, who knows? Yeah, but no,
1: my, I mean my asymmetrical features.
2: It's it's society is yet to appreciate the full beauty that you see when you look in a mirror right? there we go. But, you know, anyway. Uh I was um uh, how to make this slightly interesting. I don't know if I don't think I can I just say what happened which was, I was like a um I was a teenager I was staying with my aunt in the summer I was I think 16 and I um uh, I was working as a runner on like video shoot music video shoots and the stylist like took a photo of me and sent it to a friend who then called me up and said um come down to the agency and I was in London so I went down and they signed me up and then like sent me out (laughs) I was just like up for whatever so (laughs) (laughs) I went around a bunch of these casting places and kind of got some jobs. And then I I was living in Bristol. So it was kind of an excuse to, um, you know, get on the bus and come to London every week or so and like go to, um, shit parties and take drugs and that sort of thing, I suppose. (laughs) But it it was good in that, um, I got to travel quite a bit and, um, I got to work out perhaps earlier than I otherwise would have done that, um, like, like, you know, Glamour, glamorous stuff isn't necessarily the most fun stuff. <laughs>
1: so how old were you
2: when you stopped? Oh, I, don't know. Uh, I kind of stopped completely when I was like 20, I guess. Uh, but when I moved to London when I was 18 and sort of slowed down a lot, um, I went to, when I was, I think, 17 or something, I went to Japan for a couple of months to work. for like They flew me out there and did... Um, and I thought at the time that that was like going to be the high point, and I might as well not bother anymore. <laughs> you know, I was never particularly successful or anything. It wasn't like I was making loads of money or anything, you know. <laughs> so I was like crawling around castings with my book, um, having to engage for long periods of time with with ourselves, you know, <laughs> and some nice people too, but. I mean also the thing with that with that at the time when when you're like 18 and you want to be you want to be interesting um and uh and um that's what if that's what you do then that like to everyone that's automatically what you are completely and um I was like too pretentious to want to just be that I don't know <laughs> Whereas now I can look at I, it was funny at the time I, I enjoyed it but um, it's like very very amusing now and I have all these funny photos of myself so that's a nice thing.
1: <laughs> there, there was one where you had sausage suspenders.
2: Uh yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> what more can you say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Now you also had a meal with Tom Cruise.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's my
1: my Nardwar moment.
2: Yeah, that that was just like because of my friend was working with him, and uh, (laughs) it was there's very little that's interesting about me in that except for that it's a celebrity moment, and it was quite it was nice, (laughs) it was fun, and it was like shockingly normal, (laughs) but you know.
1: So sorry I know those that that was kind of awkward. Uh, Simon gave me some questions. So his his suggestion <laughs> was your modeling career the state of u- the union at breakdown which I think we kind of covered
2: uh, things are happening. Well yeah, we got the um the, the, the very safe version of all these things. I think but that's all I'm going to give I think at the moment.
1: I, I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. The the third one which, which I don't think is a, a very apropos for this show, is uh, just Brexit.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's not. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I don't want, ever want to talk about Brexit. Um, and the other was the Tom Cruise story. Uh, now, what I've heard about Tom right. Cruise is uh, he remembers everyone's name. You meet him and he'll remember your name and he'll meet you again. Well, I've only
2: met him the once. So.
1: Well, that's the thing, Joe. You've got to have another meal with him.
2: You gotta yeah. test this. Well yeah. Yes. I will see we'll see. I'll let you know if I ever get to meet him again. <laughs> I, I Simon the... didn't ask about how um me and him first came into contact. <laughs> no, <Do you laughs> he have... didn't suggest that?
0: No, no. Was...
2: I sent him I sent him some weed to Australia when window came out. Oh because it was when that. Truth Zone was True Zone was happening and um uh, <laughs> my friend had just uh, grow, uh, harvested a big batch of homegrown, so I, I thought he, he would appreciate it, um, and I think it went to his um, his then like father-in-law's PO box or something, who is a quite a serious person. Anyway, yeah, he was pissed. Yeah, well, I think he was amused. You know, <laughs> I,
1: I had heard that story many years ago. Um, I didn't know it was. Yeah,
2: it was. I'd forgotten. Yeah, that's the, I think it was a slightly irresponsible thing. To do I don't think I would do it now. <laughs> no, but maybe I would. Who knows? Give me the chance, and I, you know, you never know.
1: Um, do you see yourself continuing with window pane as a as a kind of series of your own
0: personal
2: work? Um, I've I've kind of I've been writing a bunch of stuff, or like you know, writing isn't maybe the right word, but um, laying out a bunch of stuff, and I think the next thing I do will probably not go under that title. Um but like that title doesn't it it, it would it would still be a, like a continuation of whatever it is I'm doing. <laughs> In the it, you know the next comic will be a, a continuation so it'll kind of be more of the same stuff. Now you're or like further on down the road. One thing you but do I'm have, probably not under the window pane banner. Yep. Uh is
1: your thing you did a comic with Richard Short um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm really interested about how that collaboration works between the two of you.
2: Yeah, me too. It's not it's not entirely clear, but um, it seems to go quite smoothly most of the time. Um, but me and Rich hang out all the time, and um, uh, along with, with my girlfriend, Bree Moreno, who's a very good artist as well, and Canadian too. Um, and, you know, there's like a rolling cast of other people who sort of, who are around to varying extents. Um, but me and Rich I talk about it's all like set in Rich's world, that book. Um it's all entirely his universe and um I'm just sort of squatting in it really. And uh I kind of came up with this story about Ivor, um, who's this horrible described as a dreary murine bigot, and murine means ratish or of like the rat species, I guess. And I came up with this horrible story where he gets uh, he gets flow- picked up by a bird of prey and flown out over some somewhere, and they had this chat, and he gets disemboweled at the end of it, which isn't much of a story really. You now that I say it out loud, um, and we ended up messing around with it and uh, kind of put it together. I don't know <laughs> where did it come from. Okay, actually, I've got a better answer, um, which is also true. <laughs> Uh, which is that I d- edited this book called Dome with uh, with Alexis Beauclair and Sammy Stein, um, who are the guys who run Lagon a few years ago when we made it at Angoulême. Um, and I kind of don't... I, I like anthologies, but I don't like making work for them particularly. Um, and we were asked to edit this thing and it seemed like it was going to be such a fun project. Um, and it was, but I, I was a bit... I didn't particularly want to make the work for it and, um, me and Rich sort of started knocking stuff around and we were it was sitting in my old flat, like coming up with these stupid ideas and like, and, you know, just chasing ourselves. Uh, <laughs> um, so we, we just kind of started enjoying ourselves and put that work in the anthology and it felt good. Um, and then we ended up doing a bit more of that. Another story, which was in Goofra, um, and uh, we ended up like building this kind of wor- world and approach to a collaboration, which would kind of us to both doing everything, and then me taking our guide drawing things that we would made that ended up being quite precise, and doing a um, um doing the final version of that, the final full color drawings. Um, yeah, and then. Uh, it seemed like a way of approaching anthologies, which I was maybe happier with than just doing my own work where, when I'm doing it myself, I like can't really stick to any deadline and I can't um, guarantee that I'm, once I start on something that I'm going to want to put it out. So it's happened a bunch of times that I've been asked to do something in an anthology and I said, yes. And then um, it's come and I have not sent them the work because I haven't been happy with it, <laughs> you know, and then no one's happy. Uh, so with this, collaboration, it's sort of a way of doing that and it's a way of me working in the class universe, which I really like. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was rambling. That's but okay. there you go.
1: Well, I yeah. didn't... I, we haven't really talked about Dome, and that's interesting itself. It's like a super ambitious project. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of like what you guys had in mind and what came out. I mean, I, I've only seen a copy once.
2: Um, mm, yeah. I don't
1: think any actually made it to Vancouver. I don't know. Maybe I just missed it. Um, I don't know. But <laughs> well, what was your kind of intention in what you guys want to do with that book?
2: Oh, man, I don't know. I wonder what Sammy and Alexi would say. Um, but What's it, uh, more it than- was more about the... For me, it was more about the event around the book and the book being part of that as a whole. Like We were printing the whole thing there and there was a load of the artists there. And the work that was being printed was going up on walls around this hall that we were printing it in, and people were like coming. It was like an open door thing within Ongulam when the festival was happening, mm-hmm. and people could come in and see the whole thing happening and the book being mm-hmm. made. And in the end, all the artists came and like made the book by hand. At the end, like everyone did it, who was who was there, you know. Um, and the book comes out of... Uh, is like structured. To make that possible i don't know like the way it was printed the way it was bound the like format that people had to work in and the colors they were given were all dictated by those decisions i guess uh so that's maybe and then it ends up being this completely different thing that has its own life after the after the event which is nice as well it's a it's a strangely like i mean i like the book a lot it's a it's a strangely uh, desirable object to some people, I think, because it's, like, hard to get hold of if you weren't actually at the event. But, yeah. um
1: I was going to get one from you guys, but I never did, and I regret it.
2: Yeah, I think it's maybe sweeter to cherish that regret than it would be to actually have the book. <laughs> Who knows? It was just I second... think that's certainly true of a lot of things. I, th- I just went to, I sort of like, say, re- I said I was doing this, talking um to to rich and uh, and antoine and people and rich just sent me a message saying don't say anything too dreary <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I i just went to i was in chicago i had a great time staying with um Connor who's another breakdown artist and there's a lot of good artists there like um went and went to annie davidson's house and saw the stuff and we got to go around chris ware's house as well which was amazing but um i went to the uh I mean, that was a really amazing, actually. But I went to the uh, Harry Who show um, when I was there. And, uh, I liked that work a lot. But it was interesting to, like, it was sweeter to, like, imagine it <laughs> yeah, than it was to actually go to the show, you know?
0: Yeah. this
2: is the Art, it's Art Institute of Chicago, and I went and spent, I had, like, a two-hour window, and I went and looked around that show for, like, an hour and had a good time and went around the rest of the gallery. A, a lot a large chunk of the rest of the museum and it's just incredible and I thought, why did I spend an hour on that Harry Hobit I missed a bunch of rooms um and so and then they've got the big book of, of the show as well, and it's really nice, but it's also like not as good as my imagination was <laughs> when there was like five years ago or whatever when I only had like a few snippets of the Carl Wilson art um. <clears throat> or like a few, one or two images of Swell and Rocker stuff that I'd just seen, and, you know, to imagine that there was like a whole load more of it and it was all as exciting. And in fact, I think I'd seen the best stuff already. Yeah. So <laughs> that's certainly the case with Dome. Uh, it's not always the case. I, there was just a Paolozzi show in London a few a few years ago um, of a lot of the print stuff, and that, although like, he's very famous and everything, it's actually quite hard to see a lot of his, been quite hard for me to see a lot of his prints in real life. Um, and then going to that show it was like, it was better than I ever imagined it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What I, am I, saying? Yeah. No,
1: I, I get what you're saying. Like I saw the Robert Crumb Genesis show in Seattle a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. And, I mean, for me, it's like, you kind of see one Genesis page. You don't need to see the other
2: 250. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, am I gonna spend time um, looking at this one, or am I gonna go downstairs and you know see uh costumes by Nick Cave not the musician um
2: <laughs> yeah, sure,
1: you know, like it's that like okay, yeah, 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 but there is other stuff, and so I get that kind of there is too much of mm. a good thing,
2: yes, oh, yeah, too much of a thing, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I love, I like the Harry. It was just a recent thing that was like, uh, this is some, like some here, like legendary thing that I've been waiting to do for years. Um, and it was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then went to the Roger Brown house and there was like a bunch of that work um, in the context of a load of like other folk art and um, other kind of things, uh, house in Chicago of this artist's collection. And he has a lot of the Harry Hill stuff. And, um, but he has like, a bit of it mixed in with a lot of other stuff and it's like a way better experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, the the Harry Who stuff looks um, looks much more interesting in that context and all that sort of, you know. The contextualizing. Yeah, I suppose. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you're too jury? Pardon me? <laughs>
1: Nothing else. Saying, do you feel like that was too jury? I don't think it was.
2: No, I, no, no, no. no I, maybe, I don't know difficult to say? Who knows? I don't know where I'm going when I start. I was worried I was going to go down a dreary, a dreary rabbit hole. Then, that's
1: no. Um.
2: <laughs> Thank... We could talk about sports or something like that, maybe.
1: I have nothing to say about sports. Is that something you guys do over there? Um.
2: I'm... No, that's something I do a lot. Well, yeah, actually, there's a cartoonist. I, me and Antoine met playing basketball. Um. Antoine Cosset, who's one of the breakdown artists. And so I play football, me and Bree used to play football in a league, and I play football now with um uh a cartoonist called Matthew Petit, who's really good, and um and Chris as well, Chris Harnan, who's excellent. Uh so there's like a sports <laughs> a jock cartoonist community here. <laughs>
0: oh that's funny. But,
2: yeah, it's it's yes. It's strange. But um I don't know, that stuff is quite a big influence on my work, I think, in some weird way. I'm not sure. I think about it a lot, anyway.
1: Well, we were talking earlier about, like, kind of physicality and movement. Yeah. And stuff, so that kind of intertwines with it.
2: Yeah, I imagine, I'm often imagining uh, myself doing sports and stuff when I'm drawing. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) you'd rather
1: be outside.
2: Oh, yeah, well, always, you know, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well on that note Maybe that's not such an obvious thing for a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well there's Gabby Schultz that lives in a trailer.
2: Yeah, okay, cool. Do you know him? Uh, I know yeah, I know the work.
1: Um he like goes and forages for mushrooms and Right. Yeah. So you know that 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 could be a life too. Right on, cool. Uh... Cool thank you joe for taking the time to chat with me today
2: uh okay yeah
1: reminder folks i've been talking to joe kessler and his new book is breakdown or uh window pane from breakdown books um breakdown press uh all the books of breakdown are pretty fantastic they're quietly uh, one of the more exciting uh publishers um coming out and
2: i hope the most the most exciting The the most exciting um, I think the most consistently exciting There yeah. we go, not dreary I think you can say at all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not dreary about myself <laughs>
1: <laughs> But definitely go and check out their stuff at finer comic stores and bookstores and museum galleries or whatever uh, Thank you so much, Joe
2: Oh, Thanks a lot, Robin